Good morning and welcome back to our series on a walk of faith in uncertain times where we look through the book of Hebrews as the author calls us to look at the heroes of our faith in Hebrews 11. And so far we've looked at Abel and how he worshiped God by faith. We looked at Enoch, how we walked by faith and then God took him, you know, and he was also a prophet in his days, um, preaching to the people. Then we looked at Noah and Noah built his life by faith, by building an ark to save the whole world and also preached to people and warned people of days to come. And just being an incredible man, 120 years of just slaving and believing in the promises of God. And today, the author of Hebrews brings us to Hebrews 11 verses 8, where we're talking about the father of nations, you know, Abraham. And he's an incredible man, born Abram, and he is mentioned 308 times in the Bible. 224 times of that is mentioned in the Old Testament and 74 times in the New Testament. This means life stretches over 27 books in the, in the Bible, 16 in the Old Testament and 11 in the New Testament. And we know him that Abraham is the father of nations. You know, you and I are sitting here because of this man's obedience. And I just believe that we can learn so much from his life. And I hope that you're encouraged today to dig deeper, but also to glean from the life of Abraham and to learn something from the life of Abraham. And so if you don't mind, I would like you to go with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, from verse 8. But we're also going to jump to Genesis soon after that. So in Hebrews 11, verse 8, the author of Hebrews now said, he said, like, look, there are witnesses. And he started calling forth these witnesses. And he, now he calls to the podium a witness named Abraham. And he says this, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go to a place, he would receive later as an inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going, by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And so now we learn that by faith, Abraham left. But Abraham's journey, when God starts speaking to him, starts in Genesis chapter 12. So let's go to Genesis chapter 12, where we found God speaking to Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abraham, sorry, the Lord said to Abram, remember that before he was Abraham, he was Abram. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land that I will show you. And so at some point, at some life, Abraham, who was from the Ur of the Chaldeans where he lived, God starts speaking to him. Now, if you read in book, in, in chapter 11 of Genesis, they were actually on their way to Canaan, but they stopped at a place called Ur in the Saldines, and they lived there. And somehow God comes to Abraham in a time where people also, like same in the book time of Noah, same in the time of Enoch, were worshipping idols and different types of God. And so Abraham would have been used to idol worship, and suddenly God steps into his life and starts speaking to him. Now, this is an incredible story of God. Because by the way God stepped into Abraham's life during a time of idol worship and a whole bunch of stuff and start choosing Abraham, it tells us that there was not much special about him. God just decided that 
I'm going to choose you. I'm going to come and talk to you. You will be the father of nations. And I want to encourage you today, it's not about where you come from, who you are, or what people say you are, or who people say you are. It's about who God says who you are. It's about when God comes and speaks to you. And let me tell you, God speaks to us every single day by His Word. But one of the things we need to do is we need to listen. And so God speaks to Abraham and He says in verse 2, He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curse you, I will curse. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai and nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. So God starts speaking to Abraham, like I said, like God speaks to us every day. But the difference between Abraham and a lot of us is he actually listened. When God said to him, you need to go, he decided to go. He actually believed God's word, he listened to God's word, and he believed God's word, and he stepped out on the word of God. And that's the key thing in today's life, is stepping out on the word of God. Anybody can hear the God. Anybody can hear the word. Anybody can listen to God. But the promises come when we step out in the word of God. In other words, God wants to work with us and through us. He wants to co-create things through us. Now let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 17, where the Hebrews talk again about Abraham. He says, by faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham re reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did not receive, he did, sorry. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the death. And that's a story that we find in Genesis 20, chapter 27, where God speaks to Abraham. And he tells Abraham, I want you to go and sacrifice Isaac. Now, you need to understand that this is not just, I want you to stab him or I want you to spear him. He says, I want you to sacrifice him. And so the Hebrew tells us that Abraham reckoned that God would even raise Isaac from the dead. How do you raise ash from the dead? How do you raise someone you just burned? Like I said, it wasn't about like, go cut him up or go stab him or hit him with a stone till he die. When God said to Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son, he said, I want you to burn your son. I want him to go up in flames. And so Abraham must have had an incredible faith that he believed that even if I burn this boy to ashes, come on, God will resurrect him from the death. And that's why the Bible talks about beauty for ashes. And God will resurrect those things that have burned in your life. That thing that has gone past. That thing that you think it's dead. It's not just dead. It's more than dead. It is impossible to become alive. That's the impossible God of faith that we serve. The God that does the impossible. 
You see, the thing about burning that son meant that he's gone. But Abraham believed that God would do this for him. He believed that God would resurrect that boy for him. And I want to encourage you today. Do you believe? Will you believe that God can do it for you? That you are promised according to the air that we're going to look at. And we see after Abraham has done all of this, after he's now gone and he, God tested him and he believed that even God will raise his son from the death. In Genesis chapter 22 verse 15 to 18, the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of the enemies. Your seed, in your seed, all nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Abraham had an obedient faith. And God said, because you obeyed me, because you have done this thing, I will bless you. How many times do we want the blessing of God upon our lives, but we don't want to obey God? How many times do we want to inherit the promises of God over our lives, but we don't want to obey God? Abraham had everything to lose. Have you ever been in a place where God speaks to you or he gives you something and then he says, I want you to give it up. <laughs> I want you to release it. I want you to bless somebody else with it. And you're going like, but this is all I have. This is everything I have. This is my way out. This is my answer. And I remember a time when I was doing my discipleship training school and I was trusting God. I did not have a cent on my name in Switzerland to pay my school fees. And my school fees at that time was about approximately the price of a two-bedroom house in my community. And here I am, just a young boy without money, like they say, broke as a joke. And one day, someone came and blessed me with $100. And I was so happy. And I thought to myself, woohoo, $100. And as I was rejoicing with the Lord, the Lord said to bless somebody else with it. And I went to that person. I said, the Lord wants me to bless you. The person says, no, I don't want your money because he's looking at me. You're from Africa. I'm from America. I don't want to take an African's money. And we had a bit of an argument back and forth. I said, just take the money. And I was so upset with God. Why would you do this? Second time again, a week came by and somebody gave me another 100 bucks. Again, I rejoiced and I was so happy. I said, the Lord, the Lord is given. I've sown and I've reaped. And the Lord said, give it away. The person again didn't want to take my money. That happened three times. But the third time, I didn't even thank God for the money anymore. I just took the money and just gave it to the person. And I went into a depression. I went into a dark place because it felt to me that all God does, He takes and He takes and He takes. He just wants me to do this and this and this. You see, I had the mentality of a slave not a son. Sometimes it's easier to serve God with a mentality of, slavery, of slavehood rather than a mentality of sonship. I served him like a slave. Long story short, I had to come back to God. And there was one day that the Lord touched me and revealed himself unto me as a father. And as I was receiving him as my father and Enter into that place of sunset. The Lord made a way for me. The Lord paid off all my debts. Even to a place where I had chains. You see, sometimes we feel God just wants us to give, 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 give. 
If God is asking you to give, 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 it's because he's got something better for you. Sometimes we can hold on to the small thing that we have in our hand. When God is saying, I've got bigger things for you. Look at what Galatians say in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to 29. He says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus. For as many of you were baptized into Christ and have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ and you are all are Christ. Then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. He says, if you are one in Christ, he says, if you receive Christ, then you become an heir according to the promise of Abraham. And so in other words, when God said to Abraham, I will bless you and you'll be a blessing. He's saying to you today, I will bless you and you'll be a blessing. When he says, I will, I will make your name great, he says to you that I will make your name great. When he says that all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you, he says all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you today. But who is the blessing? The blessing is Jesus. Often we look for an external blessing in materialism, in material things. You see, when God spoke to Abraham, Abraham already had riches. Already, because the Bible says he took his stuff. He had cattle, he had people, he had servants, he had slaves, which means he was already a rich man. And the Lord said to him, like, I want to bless you. In other words, I want to give you greater things. So it wasn't about a material blessing, but it was about the blessing of Jesus. It's going to come through him one day that will hang upon a tree and die. And three days later, be risen again and be a blessing to the nations. Don't mistake the blessing only for material stuff. That is just what's added to it. <laughs> but the blessing is Jesus. And I want to encourage you today, if you have Jesus in your life, you are blessed. But what kind of faith did Abraham have? What did he really do that made him a father of the nations? And the author of Hebrews tells us about three things. It said he left. When God spoke to him and God says, said leave, he decided to pack up and to leave. Because he knew he would never inherit the blessing if he's staying at the place where he was. And perhaps God is speaking to you today that you need to leave. Now that leaving could be a physical place, but that leaving could be also a mentality. That leaving could be something that you've been struggling with, something that you've been holding on on your life. And the Lord is saying, I want you to leave that behind. That leaving could be an attitude that he wants you to leave because your attitude or your character is standing in the way between you and your blessing and the promises that God has for you. And at one point in our life, we have to make that decision, am I going to stay where I'm at? Am I going to continue to live the way I'm going to live? Or am I going to make a change in my life and leave that behind at the cross and look at Jesus and walk towards him? I remember how hard it was for me when God spoke to me to leave Cape Town, to go to, a, to Switzerland and to be a missionary. I didn't even know what it meant to be a missionary. I didn't even know how to become a missionary. I've never really met missionaries. In fact, I've never really met somebody who's been overseas. I didn't have the resources, the money, or the education. I mean, I didn't finish school. How am I going to be a missionary to the nations? And I remember going and asking people, can, can I become a missionary, going to different churches? Some of them laughed in my face. Some of them mocked me. I was told one time that we... Don't go to do missions. In other words, people like me of color, 
Don't become missionaries. And this person said that we come to you. You don't come to us. You are the mission field. And I had to wrestle with it in my heart by myself because I didn't want to tell those around me the things that I was being told. But the Lord said, left. Sorry, the Lord said, leave. And I didn't know how I was going to leave. But I had to look at God. And God made a way. And the rest is history. The rest is history of what God has done for me. But it wasn't easy. If you want to change the situation today, if you want to walk into the promises of God today, then maybe perhaps you got to pack up and leave. Whether it's leave that character behind, leave that attitude behind, leave that behavior behind, leave the people around you behind, the circle that you are in behind. Or leave physically so you can obtain the promises of God. Because God wants you to live in His promises. So, what does it mean to leave? It means to pick up our cross <laughs> and follow Jesus. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you got to pick up that cross. In other words, leaving means dying to self. When Abraham left his home, he was dying to the rest of his family. He was dying to the familiarity. And he stepped into the new, where God will direct him. And perhaps God is speaking to you today. It's time to leave. It's time to die to self. The second thing the author of Hebrews tells, he dwelt. He was patient. You see, Abraham was not concerned about, about material blessing. Like many other people in his time, he could have built a city. He could have done many, many things and established himself. But he knew that God had more in store for him than just that. Because God spoke to him and said to him, like, no, no, your descendants will go to Egypt and there they will be 400 years and then I will bring them free. And so Abraham wasn't stuck on in the moment. He was patient. He waited upon God. He, he didn't just go and go like, oh, we've arrived. Let's build a city. I've inherited the promise. He's in the promise and yet he's patient with God. He dwelled in the promise because he knew that God had greater things in store for him. And so often we can tie ourselves up into things and we think that I've arrived. I've made it. You see, there's so many things that we look at success in this world. Success in this world is when I have a nice house and a couple of cars and a few dogs and a good job. But this COVID-19 has taught us that that success is not real success. A successful life is when you live for God. When you do what God asks you to do. When you live in the promises of God. When you remain in the word of God. You can be successful and live in a shack. Success. It's not measured by materialism. My success will be one day when I graduate from this life into the next life and I start walking on the streets of gold and then I can say, I have made it. When the father looks at me and he says, well done, good and faithful son, then I can say, I've made it. But as long as I'm in this life, I've not made it yet. I'm still making it. <laughs> I'm, I'm a dweller, you know. Don't get stuck on the things of this world. Remember, you are in this world, but you are not from this world. You are a pilgrim passing through. Even in his own land, Abraham lived as a pilgrim, passing through. He lived in tents. The third thing the author tells us of Hebrews is, he looked for the city. That is the architect. Is his maker. So, he looked at Jesus. You see, 
we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Jesus is the architect of our journey. He's the architect of our destiny. And so he didn't just look around him, but he knew that there is something greater. He knew even in that time, long before his time, he was looking at heaven. He was looking at Jesus. He was looking at the Father. And he kept his eyes on God. And when he kept his eyes on God, he kept his eyes on the promise. You see, when you take your eyes off God, you take your eyes off the promise. Remember when he took his eyes off God one day and he decided with his wife and come into a agreement with his wife that he must go and lay with Hagar and have a son with her. A lot of bad things start happening. But when he realigned himself again, when God came back to him and confirmed the promises, he put his eyes back on God again and says, like, I'm going to look at you for the promise now. I'm not going to look at another woman. You said Sarah, and that is what it's going to be. I'm going to trust you, God. And even when God told him, go and offer the very son that I've given you so that up to me, Abraham said, like, I will offer the son because I'm looking at you, the author in the finish of my faith. You are the architect of my life. You are the one who leads me. You are the one who guides me. You are the one who blesses me. And I will not take my eyes off you because I keep my eyes on you, God, for you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Today, let's keep our eyes on God. So Abraham had to go through certain things. What can we learn from him also? One of the things is he had to believe that God is real. He had to believe when the God started speaking to him that this is not just an idol, this is not just an imagination, but this is a reality. This is a real God speaking to me. He had to believe that in the reality of God. He had to believe in the faithfulness of God. He had to believe that God is who he says he is. He had to believe that God is a reward of our faith. He had to believe that God will not make empty promises. And so Abraham had to believe in those things. He had to believe that God's word is real. And often we can believe that God is real, but we don't believe his word is real. Often we can hear the word of God, but doubt the word of God. And he had to take, put his faith in that word. If God says, I'm going to have a son, I'm going to have a son. If God says the nations will be blessed through him, the nations will be blessed through him. If he says, go and sacrifice the son, but the nations will be blessed through that son. I'm going to sacrifice that son because the nations will be blessed through that son. I believe his word. I believe that God is not just a man that he will tell me lies. I believe that God is not just forgetful. I believe that God is not just a man who makes empty promises. So he believed that God's word is true. He had to have an obedient faith. He knew the only way for him to walk in the promises of God is to have an obedient faith. The only way for him to make it through this is to have an obedient faith. What is an obedient faith? It's a faith that do what God asks you to do. Nothing more, nothing less. God says go to the left, you go to the left. God says go to the right, you go right. God says stay, you stay. God says go, you go. That's an obedient faith. And so when we read about the life of Abraham in Genesis, and when we look at our life today, there's some things that we got to deal with. And the one, but one thing is, the issues of obedience. The issues of obedience and staying true to the word of the Lord. You know, in my time in missions and in ministry, I've started doubting and wondering whether God has amnesia. 
Because I've heard so many times when people say, God says this, God says that, and the next day God says something else. And I had to go back to God once and say, God, do you forget what you tell people? Are you bipolar or something? Because why? You keep changing. But the truth is, God never changes. His word never changes. We change. We sometimes give up. We sometimes make our own way because of our lack of obedience. And when we can deal with our obedience, we can enter the promises of God. When we deal with our obedience, we can walk in the true destiny and the true fulfillment that God has for us. We have to deal with when God speaks. And He asks, but we hear nothing further. Sometimes God will say, do something, and then life goes tough. All hell starts breaking loose. And we don't know where we're going to end up. But that's where trust comes in. You see, after obedience, it's about trust. Trust comes in. Trust is where I have a deep relationship with the Father. Where I believe that He is who He says He is. Where I believe He's going to do what He said that He's going to do. Lord, I trust You. I don't have food on my table today because I followed You and I trust You. I'm not sure how I'm going to pay my rent today, but I trust You. I'm not sure how I'm going to pay my bills today, but I trust you. Because what you said, go through this. And you said in your word that you will, in, even in the valley of Barker, you will be there with us. We will go there ever praising. Even if we go through the valley, you will go through us with us. If we go through the fire, you will carry us through that fire. And often when life becomes tough, that's when we start doubting whether God is with us. Rather than looking at him and saying, Lord, I trust you. Abraham he had to trust God when God said, go and sacrifice your son Isaac. Ah, that would have been a very difficult walk up that mountain, a difficult journey. He must have thought in his mind, how is this going to work? How is God going to do this? How is he going to resurrect the ashes from the fire? But I trust you, God. He must have talked with God and said, God, but you said that this son, through this son, I will bless all nations. And now you're asking me to sacrifice the very promise that you've given me. But I trust you. You see, that's why Abraham was called a friend of God. Because in true friendship, there is real trust. He said, I don't know what you're doing, God. But I trust you. Lord, I, I, I don't know how this miracle is going to work out. But I trust you. I, I'm not sure how I'm going to get through this. But I trust you. I'm not sure if I'm going to face tomorrow, but I trust you. Lord, I, I don't even want to get out of bed today because life is so hard, but I trust you. L Lord, Lord, everything is falling apart in my life, my marriage, my job. Everything is falling apart, but I trust you. Lord, you said last year you're going to do this, this, and that, and that, and I'm, and I'm waiting, but I trust you. Come on. Abraham was 75 when God first spoke to him. It was a hundred when God fulfilled the promise. And not long after that, God says, give this promise to me. But he trusted God. Will you trust God? Will you put your hand in his hand? You see the thing about coming into this whole thing and obtaining the promises that God gave to Abraham is real to you and real to me. Because in Romans 8 verse 15, he says, For you did not receive a spirit of bondage or fear, but you've received a spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. 
And so through Abraham, we have the spirit. Because Paul says again in Galatians chapter 4 verse Verse 6, he says, and because you are sons, God sent forth his spirit of his son in your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. And so now we are walking in the blessings and in the promises and in the inheritance of Abraham, and our spirits can cry out, Abba, Father. And I want to say to you, you are not an orphan. You are not forgotten because you have a father because of Abraham's faithfulness, because of Abraham's obedience. You now can have relationship with the father. And he not only now calls Abraham his friend, he says, I call you friend. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. I no no longer call you servants. I call you friends. And we can now enter into this intimate relationship with the father because Abraham was obedient. And what God spoke to Abraham, he's speaking to you. And that's why Paul writes again to Galatians in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, he says I'm no lo- I no longer live this life. I've been crucified. I now live in the Spirit through Him who loved me. The Father loves you. And He wants to live in you. And He wants to live through you. Abraham left. Abraham dwelled in. He didn't just think I've made it in life. Abraham left. He left everything behind because he knew God had greater things in store for him. See? Sometimes we want to hold on and hold on. And the more that we hold on, the more we're losing. Will you let go today and say, Lord, I'm going to let go. I've tried on my own way. I've tried to make it on my own. I've tried to do certain things, but it's not working. And I'm struggling and I'm stuck between the mountains. But today, I'm going to leave. Abraham dwelled. He didn't put his mind only on material things. He put his mind on the promises where you dwell in the word of the Lord. <laughs> Just like he dwelled in tents in the promises. Let's dwell in the word of the Lord and knowing that this world is not eternal, but there's an eternal world that we will enter into. This world is only temporary and therefore we keep our minds, we keep our heads, we keep our hearts, we keep our eyes on the word of God. Abraham looked for the city. He looked for something beyond his human circumstances. He looked for something greater. He looked for the architect, (laughs) the builder himself. Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the architect. Jesus is the rock upon whom we can stand. Let's look at him. Abraham looked at the author and the finish of his faith. He says, I'm not going to look at what's around me when the storms come around me, when things fall apart around me, when things go wrong around me, when everything is going wrong here, I'm going to look at Jesus. Because when I look at him, I draw my joy from him. When I look at him, I draw my peace from him because he's good and he's faithful and he will never leave me and he will never forsake me. He's closer to me than a brother. He's closer to me than a friend. He's closer to me than a father. He is everything to me. Let's look at Jesus today. I don't know what you are going through, but I want to encourage you. Lift your eyes up. 
Like the Psalms say, I lift my eyes to the mountain. Where shall my help come from? My help comes from the Lord God who makes heaven in earth. Let's lift our eyes up today and look at Jesus. Abraham made a kind of faith that doesn't know anything but to say yes and to obey. <laughs> will you have that kind of faith to obey? Where will your faith lead you today? Maybe you've given up. Maybe you've gotten stuck. Maybe you've taken a wrong turn in life. Maybe you've tried and tried. Maybe you say, I'm so exhausted. Trust me, I've been to that place where my spirit is exhausted. My emotions are exhausted. Everything is exhausted. But when I look at God, I draw my strength. So my encouragement to you is, is that you draw strength from God today. So Father, I thank you today. Lord, I pray, Father, as we look at you today, that strength will come from you because strength does come from you. Lord, I pray for renewal of faith like Abraham, Lord, a faith that will obey in the name of Jesus. I lift up my brothers and I lift up my sisters before you, Lord, and I just pray that you will breathe right now fresh life into them by your Spirit, Father. I pray, Father, even if they're walking and walking, Father, and it feels like they sacrifice and sacrifice, but nothing comes, Lord. I want to speak an open heaven right now in the name of Jesus, Father. I pray that your letter rain, Father, will come right now on things that have died, Lord, on things that has been forgotten, Father, promises and destinies, Lord Jesus, that has been spoken over them, prophecies, Father, they ask, like, is it ever going to happen? We declare right now, let the rain come down and bring forth fruitfulness in Jesus' name, Lord. I pray for the sick, Lord Jesus, that you will bring healing into their bodies, Father, those who have been trusting you and believing you, and say, is it even possible? We say, Lord, you are the God of the impossible, so will you come and make it possible right now in Jesus' name, Lord. Lord, I speak blessing and blessing, and I declare over your life that you are blessed because you have Jesus in your life, and you'll be a blessing to those around you. You will be a blessing to the nations. Your income will be blessed. Your outgoing will be blessed. The Lord will bless you on the right. You will blessed you on the, on the left. He will bless you in front and he will bless you behind because you are fully surrounded by Jesus and his angels and you've got the Holy Spirit upon you and we say freedom in the name of Jesus. Let the blessing come forth in Jesus' name. Let the breakthrough come forth in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for touching your children right now. Thank you for doing something new in their lives right now. Thank you that this is a new day, Lord. And we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise unto you who is the creator of heaven and earth, our Father. And we thank you that we call our sons and daughters. Amen.